Welcome to the Carrot Gal Sister Chats podcast, where we chat all about gardening and self-sufficiency. We are Jackie and Laura, two sisters who live in Utah and Idaho, and who love to talk about self-sufficiency skills. We're glad you're here. Come learn along with us. Hey, Jackie, how are you today? Oh, good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Fantastic. I'm excited to be with you today. Yeah, you too. Always fun. Always fun. It is fun. About things, so. so fun. Lots of good laughs, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I. it's so funny. I'm like, I think I'm being a little too serious. Probably should be more <laughs> authentically goofy like we really are, right? So. <laughs> yep, that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at one point, uh, we have another sister as well. Her name's Amy. And the three of us were called the giggly girls. Yes, that's so true. Because when we get together, we just get silly. So anyway, (laughs) so fun. Um, Today, I thought we would talk about um, herbs and kind of our herbal journey and um, some experiences that we've had with with plants and um, all that kind of stuff. So does that sound like a good topic for the day? Oh, man. Yes. What a fun topic. So much to talk about, right? It's like, yes. where are we going with this? What do we want to share? What, well, what are it's an interesting topic because it's huge. Yes. And for me, it felt overwhelming when I first started learning about it. It's actually a topic that I have just recently felt super drawn to. Yes. Um, I've used essential oils for years and super familiar with those. Um, but the herbs specifically have felt a little bit out of my realm and not as easy to understand. So that's just something that I recently have felt super drawn to. And I've been learning a ton about herbs and herbalism and all that kind of stuff. So it's been really fun to get to know different things that I currently know. So, and maybe we'll start there. Maybe we talk about the difference between herbs and essential oils and why you would use different forms with plants. Here's my personal belief about things. I believe that there are plants that are on this earth that are given to us by God to, that have healing properties. Absolutely. Um, And maybe people don't believe that maybe they only believe in medicine, but most of our our Western medicines are, were originally created from a plant, at least a constituent from a plant. Like they, they take what has been used traditionally in Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine or just herbalism in general. And they used what people have always used for healing. And um, they make a medicine out of it. So anyway. Right. 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 No, I'm exactly. So, um, yeah, let's start off with the conversation, right? Around like, and maybe maybe our listeners don't even know what an essential oil is at this point. So let's give a quick rundown of essential oils versus a plant. So, let's take um, let's talk about peppermint and oranges because those are two things that people probably have had experience with in the real form, you know, in the food form sure. or the plant form, I should say. And then let's talk about the essential oils. So. Um, like think about an orange, um, it has the outside, um, I speak Spanish. So the word 
for the, oh, the peel, like sometimes the words in Spanish only show up in my brain. So um, the peel of the orange, and then there's like the inside juicy part that we eat, right? You can actually eat the peel of the orange too, but when you're peeling the orange, there's all that spray, that fragrant, that com- that fragrance that comes off of the orange and it just kind of gets everywhere, right? And you're like, oh, it smells like oranges. It's so nice in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that part that creates such an intense aroma. That's actually the essential oil sacs that are contained within that orange. Same thing with a lemon. When you peel a lemon, like you get that spray, you know, like, oh, and it gets stuck on your fingers and stuff like that. So those are the essential oil sacs in those citrus fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just, they're tiny little sacs that contain an essential oil compound that is created in the plant when nature is growing it. Mm-hmm. Same with the peppermint plant. Um, when you touch a peppermint leaf, so a peppermint plant just kind of grows with a stalk and then the leaves are on the side. Um, and on the leaves, there's kind of ripples on the leaves and stuff. But if you rub the leaf, it, it doesn't spray like an orange or a lemon does because it's a different kind of a plant. But when you, when you touch the leaf, um, you're actually breaking all of those essential oil sacks and they get onto your fingers and then you can smell them. And that's why it kind of permeates the air. Um, but an essential oil basically is we, we humans, we figured out ways to extract those essential oil sacks from various different types of plants and to put them into little bottles. Mm -hmm. They're very potent parts, very, right. So it's the, it's the oil sacks concentrated into a bottle. Right. Yes. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's it. Every different type of plant has different, they extract it from different parts of the plant. Sometimes it's the roots, sometimes it's the stem, sometimes it's the leaves, sometimes it's the, the peel. So it, every plant is different and we're not going to get into that today, but right. that's what, when you buy an essential oil bottle is right. those little sacks that are concentrated into a, a bottle form. Like this, if you're on YouTube, you can see it. Jackie and I love the doTERRA brand. We're not going to talk about that specifically today, but that is the, they have really high quality and it's the one that we trust. So that is what we, we personally use. Um, we love to share that with you as well, but, um, but today we're going to talk about herbs. So herbs are not the extracted essential oils. Exactly. It's the whole plant. So again, Herbs can be the roots, the stems, the leaves, the flowers, anything like that. But we're using the entire the the plant form rather than the essential oil form. So, and there's lots of herbs. And again, this is a topic that I felt very unconfident in, mostly because I knew that there were some herbs that could be dangerous if you yes. don't know what you're doing. And so I felt really um, um, hesitant to learn about them. Yes. So whenever I feel that way, like I start learning slowly. So I found a lady who, who taught me safe herbs that are generally used. Um, you can use them safely with children. And that's how I started to learn oh, cool. the ones that um, are not dangerous. So I started there. Okay. And let's, let's talk about that danger concept for just a minute, because it's a valid thing. Um, there's different stages of learning about plants, right? Like if you're at the very expert level, you know how to go out into nature and like find all the plants that are healthy and safe for you hundred percent of the time. 
or 99% of the time, right? Yeah. Um, but those of us that are starting, we have to start with the ones that are for sure safe. And the reason why this happens is because, or why there's this fear and this hesitation is because in the herb world, there's kind of two forms of cautions. There's like yes. something we call contraindications. Sure. Then we, then there's things that are actually like toxic or poisonous to humans when we consume them or use them, or there's like an allergic reaction when you touch them. Um, And so those are two separate categories of caution. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, if you're pregnant or you're nursing, for example, or you have other health conditions, you may not medication. Yeah. You may need to be careful and cautious because there's, there's contraindications with those specific conditions. To not take certain herbs. Um, some people have allergic reactions to certain plants and you need to be aware of that for your own personal safety, right? So this, we're sharing this information with you, but make sure that you're taking full responsibility for your own health. And definitely there's always plants that are hundred percent toxic all the time, no matter who you are, no matter what your condition is. So um, as Laura's talking about this, I think she's going to steer us away from those things that potentially could have contraindications or are toxic for us and talk about all all the time that are safe mm-hmm. for it. And that's where she started learning. Yeah, so really recognized as safe as, is what we're going to talk about, but it's good point because you need to know yourself and what's happening with you. Um, just because you have an allergic reaction to an herb doesn't mean it's, it's bad for everyone. Right. Yeah. Or just because you're pregnant or taking a medication doesn't mean it's not the right thing for somebody else. Right. So know yourself and learn slowly. So the way that I learned about essential oils and herbs is one at a time. Me too. That's how I teach everyone to learn about these topics, right? Like one at a time, get really familiar with that thing. So maybe if you're just barely beginning, maybe you start with peppermint. Yes. Right. Maybe that's your, your gateway, right? Right. Or raspberry leaf. Did you guys know raspberry leaves have medicinal properties to them? It's like so interesting. Or dandelions or whatever the case may be. Yes. Yes. So, so cool. Yeah. If you were to start learning with herbs, I would probably choose one or two and I would start looking at it. Um, so different forms is um maybe we can talk about that for just a second. So you can go to the store and you can go to the health food section and you can um, get capsules, Mm -hmm. things. You can often buy loose leaf um, and a lot of things you can get in essential oil form. Some things you can get in tincture form that we'll talk about in just a second. Um, What other forms of herbs would you... So teas is how we take a lot of them. You can take them in capsule form. You can take them in tincture form. Um, Those are your main herbs, herb formats of what you're going to use. There's also syrups and um, other decoctions and things like that, that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right. There are different there. And what we're talking about right now is like uh, ways to utilize the herbs. Um, so something like a decoction or a poultice, poultices are decoctions and poultices are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you use both of them topically. So for example, mm-hmm. yeah, um, like a, a poultice is actually, you just kind of crush up the, the plant, the leaf, like you could chew it up or you can 
kind of crush it with your fingers or in a mortar and pestle or something, and then put it on your skin with a bandage or something. That's a poultice, but a decoction is something similar. You take the plant substance, the leaf or whatever you need, and you boil it in some water is what I remember. If I'm remembering correctly for like 15, 20 minutes, and then it creates this like concentrated tea extract thing that then you put on your skin and that's what a decoction so kind of similar right most people are probably familiar with buying like buying a tea bag like um and obviously you can get those with like the tea plant in it the black tea or the green tea or something like that but jackie and i are specifically specifically talking about herbal teas today herbal tinctures herbal remedies, things like that. So um, that's typically how we use things. But so you can go to the store and buy a box of tea bags. That's totally fine. And actually, that's really effective way to use them and get familiar with some of the flavors and things like that. So you can just go buy peppermint tea and start drinking it, right? Yes, that's easy. You just get some hot water, put your tea bag in, let it sit for three to 10 minutes, and then you drink it. So super easy Um, to get a little more involved. You can um, buy what's called a tincture at the, at the health food store. And it usually comes in a bottle, one ounce or two ounces, and it has a dropper on the top. And this is um, an herb that's been extracted in either an alcohol base or like usually vodka is usually what they use could be rum or anything like that, but it's usually extracted in alcohol or it's extracted in a vegetable glycerin um, base. So that's a way to preserve the medicinal properties of an herb and make it easy to take. You can also usually find them in capsules that you just swallow like a pill. Um, A tincture is going to be used so what you do there is you usually take a cup of a little cup of water just to swallow or juice and you just take a squirt of it and just squirt it into your water and then um, you drink it down. And that's it's an easy way to preserve an herb without having to create a tea every time. Yeah. It's a, usually a little bit more concentrated and it lasts um, a long time. Yeah. So those are typically the ways that you would use an herb is a, a tea a tincture or a capsule. Yeah. Generally. Most of the time. Yes. Unless, yeah. Until you are ready to branch out and find other ways. Yep. Yes. Those are perfect. And let's talk really quick because there's um, sometimes there's herbs that are better that we take internally. Like we're ingesting them, like Clara said, a capsule or a tea or a tincture. And we've already kind of talked about like a poultice or a decoction, which is more topical. So that's usually, and sometimes like aromatic as well. Like, like we were talking about the orange and the peppermint, they smell really nice. Mm-hmm. There's some aromatic benefits to teas. I mean, to herbs, mm-hmm. but most of the time when we're talking about herbs, we're using them either topically or internally. And every plant is a little bit different in the generally recommended form of usage, but right. um, we're not going to get into those extensive details today. I'm going to grab a book. Okay. So, um, so yeah, there's lots of resources. Find yourself a really great herbal book or uh, take a course online um, to get more extensive knowledge about how to use which plant in which form. Um, And as Laura was talking about like 
the process of learning um, about herbs, like one at a time, I really want to drill in this thought that every plant that you're going to be learning about on your herbal journey is, is it's an individual identity. Like it's like, pretend that this plant is like a human and maybe you don't know this human very well. And so what do we do when we first meet human, right? Humans, like we, we physically get close to them. Mm -hmm. We introduce ourselves, we get to know them. We ask them questions. We like, we figure them out, right? So that you get to know them, quote unquote, we're going to do the same process with a plant because it's about relationship building, which may sound weird, but that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, first time I learned about a specific plant that I didn't know anything about, it was, it was that process. I had to get close to it. I started getting curious about it. It didn't really talk to me, but I learned about it through books and different sources and things like that. And I learned what, how to use it and what it was good for and why we need, why we want to use this. And so, but I, like Lara said, I really did. I just, I learned one one plant at a time, just like we learn, we get to know humans one person at a time. So don't get overwhelmed with this. Just learn one plant at a time. So for sure. And I find once I'm familiar with one plant, then I'm a lot more comfortable with plants in that same category. Yes. So once I got familiar with peppermint, now I'm comfortable with spearmint and lemon balm and all the other ones in the mint family. Yes. Right. So there are groupings that will help you. Right. So exactly. Yes. I would agree. Um, this is a book that I highly recommend. It's called Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide. It's beautiful. She has lots of um, pictures and recipes and everything in there. And, and she just makes it really simple and doable. She explains all those different forms that we talked about, syrups and tinctures and everything, and how to make them. And then she goes specifically plant by plant and talks about the ones that are safest to take, right? So um, that is one that I highly recommend. I was looking for a really simple um, tool that I could use to learn from. And that's, that's one that I've been loving. That's awesome. I would say the same thing. I don't have that book, but I have a couple of other herbal books that mm -hmm. have done the same thing for me. It's just really walked me through a simple way of understanding one herb at a time. For and then sure. when we go out on hikes or on walks or whatever, and I find a plant that I'm like, what are you? <laughs> like, right. I come home and I look at my book and I try to identify it. I just get curious. and right. Yeah. And um, I think both of us, we keep a, an app on our phone mm -hmm. to help us identify plants while we're out in the wild so we can continue learning. Mine is called Plant Net. It's a free <laughs> app that you can put on your phone and you just take a picture of the plant and then it helps you it pulls up things that it could be based on what it, the picture looks like right yeah. which do you use um the one i'm using right now is called picture this mm -hmm. and it's pretty spot I on. before i think that one might be a paid version i'm not sure yeah yeah i think they're yeah they have We're a retired file for a little while and then yeah. So the plant net is free forever. And then the picture, this is really great too. And I really enjoyed that one as well. Um, so, but that's wild crafting and that's a totally different topic. We'll talk about that another time. Um, why don't we talk about a few of our favorite herbs or things, ones that we love to use. 
Mm, that's a little, gosh, let me think about that. Some of my favorite herbs. I mean, we keep talking about in a different chat. So you can check out our podcast or YouTube video on elderberry, which is really fun. Yes. That one's a fun one to learn about. Um, I think I'm just going to maybe start off with some, some simple ones that I think were a part of the beginning stages of my journey that probably are easily accessible by most people Uh or you could grow them. Um, somewhat easily or find somebody that's growing them. But uh, the three that pop into my mind initially are peppermint, the rosemary, not rosemary, raspberry leaf. Okay. And dandelions. Okay. Tell us how you use those ones. What your experience has been. Cool. So peppermint, um, I think I started peppermint just as a tea. Uh-huh because it has really good digestive properties. If you have upset stomachs or nausea or anything like that, peppermint's really good. Um, so peppermint tea, it's also really refreshing. I love that. As we talked about essential oils, I really love also using essential oil, the peppermint essential oil on my belly sometimes when I, when it's not feeling so amazing. Um, peppermint has a cooling effect to it. And so when I use it topically, it's in the essential oil form, when I have a headache, like I put it, right here on my head and it just helps to manage the pain of my headaches. Um, so, and then eventually I learned, actually learned how to make, um, a tincture that specifically is for, um, helping colds and flus and, you know, when you're feeling ill, um, a glycerin based tincture with elderflower as well as peppermint. And that was really cool. So, um, but my relationship with peppermint has grown over the years and, um, I have a neighbor with, peppermint that's growing in his backyard just crazy and free and I love it because I go and harvest it and it just it smells so lovely when he mows his lawn I'm like oh it smells like peppermint <laughs> really fun for me um and most recently um I was harvesting some food at a family member's house and they had a big giant pot of peppermint growing and they're like geez my peppermint is so overgrown and I said can I take some of that? And they said, absolutely. So we cut off about half of their plants (laughs) and I had this huge pile of peppermint leaves and drove it home. My car smelled amazing like peppermint. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, I just ended up throwing, not throwing, I laid them out calmly, nicely on some cookie sheets, put them in my oven at a very, very, very low temperature and just dried them out. Mm -hmm. Um, if you wanted to, you could harvest your peppermint plants and tie them up with a rubber band and put them on a nail post on the wall so they can just air dry it that way too. That works as well. I just didn't have that in my house at the moment. Right. Um, and then I, once they were all dried, then I removed all of the stems and leaves. And now I have several bags of peppermint leaves that I can use in tea in upcoming months. So that's exciting. Super fun. Um, lots of different ways to use peppermint. So same idea with raspberry leaf. Um, raspberry leaf is known, has really, really well-known properties for helping with female menstrual hormone balancing effects. Right. Um, like just for normal women, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, Larry, or, or is it okay to drink that while you're pregnant? I can't remember. I don't remember. I think it's recommended to drink toward the end of pregnancy because it really helps to tone the uterus and prepare for birth. Okay. Um, 
I personally would probably not drink it in the first trimester, but right. I think it's totally safe to do. So do your own research on that. But For sure. Cause like, I couldn't remember that off the top of my head, but uh-huh. um, yeah, but it's just a really good one for general overall women's health. And so again, like if you have friends or you're growing your own raspberry plants, you can, like I talked about peppermint, you can go and harvest the leaves. From what I remember, they're better to harvest in the springtime. Yeah. So yes, before the plant has flowered is time to do it. So I grow raspberries here at my house. And if you've grown raspberries, you know that they send out shoots in the spring. So whenever those come up in places that I don't want them to be, Mm. or pull those out and I'll just strip all the leaves off and put them on a cookie sheet and leave them until they're dry. Oh, cool. Really easy. If you grow red raspberries to thin your plants and also make your own raspberry leaf tea from them. Really awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, I hadn't even considered like how to do that. So that's a really good point for the future. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I've, I've loved that and super easy to consume. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really done that one in tincture form necessarily, but right. I mean, before I started grabbing my own raspberry leaves, I just would buy red raspberry leaf at the grocery store and make some tea out of it. And, and so that's good. It's just a good one to have access to most of the time. And then dandelions. Um, I always grew up, okay, Ooh, I'm going to try not to throw our father under the bus but um well everyone has that relationship with dandelions right dandelions right yes just hated the dandelions and you know a full-on green carpet of grass was the perfect ideal and anything less than that was not okay you know and so um dandelions were always the enemy growing up and so when I started learning about herbs and somebody told me that dandelions have healing properties to them. I was like, what are you kidding me? Right. Um, and so then I started learning a lot more about dandelions and they're really cool plants. They're really cool plants. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use all forms of the dandelion. You can use the, the roots. Mm-hmm. Why, the roots are really cool because they actually create tap roots, which means they go really far down. And they know actually how to pull up all the nu- nutrients that they need from those deep roots. Mm-hmm. Into the plant. And so when that does all that and you consume or you utilize those roots, you're getting all that good deep nutrition as well from the earth. Super cool. You can also use um, the leaves as well as the flowering parts of the dandelion. Um, dandelion has really good um, properties that help to support your liver it's like it helps to support gently cleaning out your liver and just kind of a general it's it's a gentle detox process right but really um if you're gonna get dandelions if you're not you can obviously always buy these things in the store or online at reputable sources yes um you can always just harvest them wild they come up in the spring and they're free um they're so great make sure that they're not sprayed uh, i was getting there i was just out to see that 100% make sure they have not been sprayed you do not want those toxins on any of the dandelions that you are utilizing so um but cool things you can make tea out of the out of the flowers um and the roots and the flat and the leaves um Lara has made ravioli yes there's a rep there's a <laughs> recipe 
on my website, carrotgal.com on the recipe section. And I make it every spring Yes, when the dandelions come up. And it, for me, it's just a, like a um, tradition. Fun. Here I make dandelion ravioli and you cook the greens down like spinach. So it's basically what it tastes like, but it's super yummy. That's so cool. So I didn't know that you could cook the greens down. That's really, that's really neat. So um, I'm also just like, kind of, we, we keep talking about like harvesting these things and then like drying them out. So right. you could do that with the roots and the flowers and the leaves, mm-hmm. all the different parts. You can dry them out and use them later in teas or in tinctures or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, oftentimes I think they put dandelion in like coffee substitutes. Yes. There's kind of a barley dandelion specific kind of a thing that you can buy. I will think it's not the Paro drink. It's, it's a different kind of like a healthy. Yeah. And I was looking at when there's a root called chicory as well. Yes. So dandelion roots and chicory roots are used as coffee substitutes, especially yeah. when been roasted. Yes. So yes. Cause it makes that coffee flavor. Yeah. So super cool. I don't choose to drink that myself personally. I'm not, not a coffee drinker. So um, but it's a cool way to get more dandelion into your diet. And it's a really helpful part of your body. I've just been really excited about dandelions. And um, it's just fun to know that this thing that I grew up thinking is a total weed and is the enemy is actually a really powerful thing to help support my body. And it's interesting that point, because now when I see dandelions growing in my grass, I'm grateful for them. Yes. And I'm glad they're there. And I utilize them rather than destroy them right that yeah agreed and I find that my my heart softening to a lot of plants like that yes me too like a lot of plants um I live in Idaho and I live on five acres and it's amazing what plants grow here just naturally that I can use medicinally which is really super cool yeah so tell us about some of your favorites. Yeah, so my first introduction to using herbs um, came from a class that we had at church. Um, we're both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we had a workshop that the women went to um, years ago. And the lady was teaching on herbs. And we all were sent home with three little pots of herbs. And she had recipes that she had made, and we were able to taste the foods that she had prepared with these herbs. Oh, that wow. Was the first introduction to herbs using them culinarily. So, oh. in cooking. And so, I was, was really intrigued by this class that I went to, and I was like, this is fascinating. So, I started practicing with them in the cooking form. Cool. And from there, I just expanded and expanded and expanded. And then I will give you a rundown of what I currently have growing on my property and my plans for next year. So the one that I started with in that class that I was super intrigued by is basil. Oh, cool. One of my very favorite herbs to cook with. It's amazing, particularly in its fresh form. Yes. So in the summer, I plant basil. It's a heat loving plant. And so you're going to want to grow it when it's hot out, but it, um, grows huge if you um if you pinch the flowers off and I think trying to think if I have a blog post on that or if I'm planning to write one I can't remember but 
um, basil, what you, what you do when you grow it is if you just let it grow, it's only going to grow like three stalks and then you'll get like 20 leaves and you'll be super sad. Right. But you let it grow and it starts to create a flower and you pinch those flowers off. What it's going to do is it got each flower is now going to branch into two and that's going to grow two new flowers. And then you pinch those off when they grow into flowers and it creates, now you have four in that spot. And then it just keeps multiplying and multiplying. You're going to end up with this huge leafy bush at the end of your summer. You can harvest the whole thing and make huge batches of pesto. Yum. Pesto is what this lady made in the class. And that's what I first learned how to love making. So I think maybe I need to write a blog post on how to pinch those flowers off and my amazing pesto recipe. So I'll work on that. But so that was my first love in the herbal world. Um, currently, um, like I said, I'm just getting into um, learning more about herbal plants. And I just ordered a bunch of different ones on Amazon. I use Star West Botanicals or Frontier Co-op. Those are the two brands that I like to order from. Mm -hmm. um, but the ones that I currently have growing on my property, and like Jackie said, I harvest them and I, I bundle them with twine and I hang them in my spare room, spare bedroom, or I hang them in my pantry or I hang them in my laundry room or I lay them out on cookie sheets and I just dry them for the winter. And that's um, what I do. So the medicinal ones that I have growing, I have oregano, which is a really fun one to grow and to use during the winter. Um, thyme, sage. Um, I also grow chives. I'm just going through my flower bed, right? These all grow in my front flower bed. And then um, I also have out there lemon balm, echinacea, uh, medicinal calendula, and I have one called hysop out there right now. So those are all the ones that are in my front flower bed. Um, in my garden itself, I usually grow rosemary, parsley, um, basil, cilantro. Those are the ones that I put in my garden. And then I also have raspberries that I talked about just a few minutes ago, red raspberries. So I harvest those. And then the ones that grow wild that I just, um, that I don't do anything to plant and they just grow. Those ones are um, plantain, red raspberry, sorry, plantain, dandelion, um, red clover, and chicory occasionally grows here cool doesn't so those are the ones that I know how to harvest from my own property I don't always get to all of them during the year but I know what they look like I know how to use them and I'm getting super familiar with those ones in particular so there you go oh. an overwhelming um, overwhelming list I would recommend starting with basil well, sure. I mean, uh, and if they, if they, if people haven't listened to the story in the background, right? Like Lara already mentioned, she lives on five acres, but she's been growing and being in, growing food and introduced, interested in food for how long? 15, 20 years? Oh, yeah, probably 16 years or so. Mm -hmm. Right. Like actively working on this. So she's, she's a little, probably a little ahead of, of most of us, you know, with her, with her journey. But 
And as we're talking about, she's, she's learning about all these herbs. So am I, we're all learning about herbs and things. And as we talked about at the very beginning, like, I just want to reiterate this, right. It's like, it's one plant at a time. I didn't even get into the fact that I, I learned, I've learned about so many other herbs and we'll talk about that in another episode. But um, the reason I've learned about so many herbs is because I've sought out opportunities to learn about herbs. I've gone on herb walks with people that know what they're talking about, right. where they walked us around their property. And they said, this is this plant. This is what it does. This is what this plant is. This is what it does. And then I gained a relationship with that plant, started seeing it, started learning about it, started using it. All another fun. Right. When I walk in my neighborhood, now I can see this is a plant that's called this early dock. And this is a plant that's called, um, um, mulene that grows wild all over the place. Right. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. I was just going to actually bring that one up. I was like, Oh yeah, that was one of my favorites. Mm. Um, I call it mullein, but Mullen. it's M-U-L-L-E-I-N. Yeah. So I don't know if it's mullein or mullein or whatever, but, um, they also call it lambs, lambs ear, mm-hmm. lambs ear lamb's quarter i've heard it called that grows wild all over the place here my neighbor has a ton of it it's this very very soft velvety leaf Mm -hmm. Um, they can grow really big but generally they're kind of about this big in size if you're ever in an emergency in nature find some of this plant and use it for toilet paper (laughs) (laughs) but like in its second year it grows a really tall stock in the middle of the plant tall stock yep so it's really easily easy to recognize and yeah. um, it's supposed to be really good for your lungs it is good for respiratory mm-hmm. support and all this in here so right. i usually drink that as a tea i'm sure you can turn that into a tincture as well but that one's one of my favorites and and it was so easy to identify because it's so soft and right easy to like to figure out what it is yeah yeah and quite honestly i started with plants that i knew didn't have lookalikes yes that are poisonous. So there are some in nature. For example, there's one called um, poison hemlock. And that one will kill you in like 30 minutes if you eat it. So, right? Don't. And then there's other ones like stinging nettle that's really good for you and poison oak and things like that. But poison hemlock specifically has very specific um, things to look for. But it has a plant that that looks very similar to it that's good for you. Um, um, it looks like a wild carrot or it looks like um, baby's breath or something like that, right? Interesting. Um, yeah. So there's a lot that are kind of look like that. So you have to be really careful with that one so you don't get sure. poisoned. So Yes. Yes. So- a lot of them are really easy to identify in nature and don't have lookalikes is what they're called. So poison. For sure. For sure. Um, as you spoke about um, stinging nettle, um, stinging nettle has its name because if you've never seen stinging nettle, I didn't know what it looked like. I just had heard about stinging nettle, but I didn't know ever what it looked like until I went on an herb walk mm-hmm. at some property and they had this huge bush of stinging nettle Mm-hmm. And I was so amazed because I'll just tell you this quick story of this, yeah. this herbal because it showcases the power of what Lara was just talking about, knowing the plants, knowing what they do, knowing the properties of them. Um, so stinging nettle has kind of long, thinner leaves, right? And it 
once it's a big established plant, it kind of is this big bushy thing. Yeah. And so this lady, the lady that was doing this herb walk with us, she walks over and she was like, okay, well, let's get, let's harvest some stinging nettle. She was telling us that obviously when you touch it, it creates a sting, like it creates irritation on your skin. That's why it's called stinging nettle, mm-hmm. but you can use gloves and harvest it when you cook it, actually, like Laura talked about dandelion that she uses in her ravioli, you can cook steamed nettle down just like spinach. You can put it in soups, like greens, like any kind of green, and it totally removes all the sting out of it. So cooking steamed nettle is a good way to do it. Or in its dry form, it's yeah. really good as a tea. It has lots of nutrients that are super supportive to the body. Yes, mm-hmm. It is. So as this lady was harvesting things, people were like, what are you doing? That's stinging nettle, you know? And so she, she had some gloves on yeah. and it was so fascinating because then she took off her gloves and she was doing this demonstration with us because she had already taught us about this other plant that was right next to the stinging nettle plant. And it's called teasel. Um, teasel, I'm not going to try and explain it to you. It looks like wild lettuce. It's kind of a similar plant it has little, they're not super spiky, but there's little spiny things on the back of the, the green part, the like the leaf, um, and a little plant. And so she told us that teasel always grows next to stinging nettle because it has the, the counteracting properties. If you ever touch stinging nettle, look for the teasel plant around you and use it as a poultice on the part that got stung. And so she, we were like, what? Are you kidding me? So she took her gloves off. She took some stinging nettle and she put it on her, on her wrist and it welted up and turned red like it does with your skin. And then she grabbed some of the teasel plant that was literally within arm's reach. She grabbed one of the plants. She rubbed it on her arm, just like a poultice form. And literally she was like, Oh, like 10 seconds later, she's like, it's not stinging anymore. It was still a little red because her body was still wow. reacting to things but she was like awesome. and I was like what <laughs> so cool so now I have a very high appreciation for the teasel plant whenever I see it around because I know how to identify it right Super cool. and I've heard that's quite often in nature like if you're in the forest and you get poison oak there's usually a plant nearby that oh, will correct the problem right so yeah. nature yeah. so cool like that Nature is so cool. So, um, awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's it's a great conversation today. So many beautiful things that we can all learn about herbs, um, lots of resources that you can access. But definitely want to put a little plug in um, on on the website. Um, Lara, I do know that you recently started selling. She, Lara sells seeds. She saves seeds. She's really mag- magical that way. Um, she saves seeds and then she has an Etsy shop where you can purchase the seeds for your own consumption. And as we've talked about dandelion today, she recently told me that she's starting to sell dandelion seeds on her website. I'm sure she has other seeds. So I'll let her talk about that. There's a few of the seeds that I mentioned in my long list that grow here that I've yes. for sale on there. So um, dandelion, lemon balm, oregano, um, um, my basil didn't work out so well this year, so I don't have those, but you know, I have chives and other types of things. So you can check out the Etsy shop. Just go to carrotgal.com slash shop and you'll find um, the Etsy shop and everything that's currently available there. So, yeah. That's so cool. Awesome. For medicinal. Oh yeah. I have medicinal calendula and some other medicinal herbs on there too. So you can check out those and cool. lots to choose from. So 
Well, one last little tip for you before we end. As I talked about peppermints, if you choose to grow anything in the mint family, peppermint included, lemon balm included, um, do not let them grow wild and free. Put them in a pot, contain them because they take over your space. As I mentioned, my neighbor that has peppermint growing in his yard he told me he know has no idea where it came from, and it's really hard to get it out once it's taken over. So. Okay. You can, <laughs> um, it's so funny because the last two years we've planted peppermint and it hasn't grown. And I'm like, oh. this is supposed to be really easy to grow. But, but right. lemon balm plant is big and bushy. And I usually just um, trim it before it goes to seed, and then it stays pretty contained. That's so, awesome. yeah, just a fun little tip for you <laughs> in, in the mint family we will take over. So grow it in a pot or a place that you don't care if it takes over everything. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And next year, my plan is to expand my medicinal herbs and to plant even more. And awesome. I have a little section that I'd like to create like an herb garden. So that's my plan for next year. And um, again, like just start a little at a time and um even if it's just like buying those plants at the grocery store that are uh, a rosemary plant or a basil plant or whatever the case may be that are in the produce section, those are great, right? Put those in your windowsill and cut from them and use them in your cooking. Exactly. It really improves the fresh flavor of, of your cooking and maybe start there and start getting familiar with some of those culinary herbs and practice mm-hmm. using them in your life. So much fun. Well, thanks so much, Lara. What an awesome chat today. Um, Thanks everyone for joining us. Hope that you guys learned something. Um, We do have a Facebook group. We'd love to hear about your experience with herbs, whether you feel like you're just a novice beginner or what your favorite herbs are. We shared some of ours. Go share with us in, in our Facebook group what some of your favorite herbs are, what you love to do with them. Do you cook with them? Do you make tea out of them? What is your herbal process right now? We'd love to hear about that. Awesome. Yeah, and to find the Facebook group, you go to caretgal.com slash chats, and that'll be there'll be a link there for you. All right. Good to talk to you. You too. See you later. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Carrot Gal Sister Chats podcast. We invite you to join us in our private Facebook group to continue the conversation. You can find the group by clicking on the link in the show notes or by visiting caretgal.com slash chats. We love to answer questions and see pictures of your gardens and other self-sufficiency projects that you're working on. Come join us in the group. Thanks for listening.